Good to be here this morning, yes? Amen. Yes and amen. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, team. Um, yeah, as, as we are in the new year, last time we were together uh, was the last day of 2023, and here we are in 2024. We've, we've made it seven days. <laughs> Hopefully that's not, your, uh, that's not your thought of like we've made it, but um, in, in this time for us as we gather and, and we dive in, into the Word, it's uh, what we were doing last week was looking back. Where was God? Where do we see God, his faithfulness? Where do we see uh, him just uh, uh, empowering us, encouraging us to continue in the direction he is, he is leading us, growing us? Uh, and today is about moving forward. And so to move forward well, we do have to reflect on where we've been so that uh, when we move forward, we are confident in the direction that God is, is leading us. And so um, we're going to be in Exodus chapter uh, 16. Last week we were in 15. We're going to be in chapter 16 and 17 uh, today. Uh, so you can open your Bibles and, and hang out there. Uh, we've got a couple st- uh, really good stories in there uh, of, of, of God's faithfulness and God's people in the midst of his faithfulness. But I want to remind us of some questions that we, we, we finished off with last week. Uh, first question is, do we recognize God's faithfulness? Do we recognize God's faithfulness in, 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 our, in, in our everyday, in, in the things that have happened in the past, of what we've come through this last year, this last 10 years, this last 20 years? Uh, the, 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 the question I even asked is, is 40 years ago, those who were in leadership of this church and part of this congregation 40 years ago, and some of you are in this room, that in the, in the 1980s, those of you who are part of this congregation, did you have in mind the kind of foundation that you were laying so that those of us here now in 2024 and in 2020s uh, would enjoy the fruit that we have? We have a, an incredible facility and a building and a sanctuary. We have to get come together and worship God. We also get to open this, this, this facility to the community and allow it to be a, a, a lighthouse, a, an outpost uh, for God's glory here on earth and to be about God's kingdom business. Did those in the 1980s, a part of this congregation, have in mind of what foundations they were laying so that we could be here enjoying this? And the, the, for me, the thing, the, I, I, don't, I wasn't here in the 80s. I was just, well, born in the, I was a, born in the 80s, product of the 90s, and here I am in the 2020s. Uh, but as I think about what was prepared the faithfulness that existed within God's people here within Centralia Community Church. What are we doing now? What is our faithfulness reflecting now in 40 years from now? In 2060, some of us will see it, some of us won't, but in 2060, what are we doing now to help set a table, a foundation to continue on the faithfulness of what God is doing here within this congregation for it to exist in, in 2060. All these kids who were prayed over and blessed and encouraged to be the light, to be a, a witness and a testimony to God's faithfulness, to pursue him. What are we doing in their lives to invest in the next generation so that when they're my age and one of them may be standing up here offering an exhortation or bringing the word or, or leading us into the presence of the king in his throne room, worshiping him with our voices, with our gifts, with our entire being. How are we investing in those? That in 40 years, what's here 
is, is exactly what God has planned because we have been faithful and faithful in part of this community. And so that I can't help but, but ask that question of 40 years ago, did they know? Did they have an idea of what it would look like here and now? And in 40 years, do we have an idea of what God is calling us to help sustain and continue and grow into the next generation? And so the, other, the next question is, how are we being faithful to God here and now? And the last one is that we talked about last week is where is God asking us to trust him? Where is that maybe we're holding on to things that we think should happen the way we want it to happen and God's saying, look, I'm asking you to let go so that I, my will can be done. You may have had an idea of what you wanted uh, to, to take place, but I've got something else. And so here we're gonna look in Exodus about how God's people may have had something else in mind and yet what God was leading them into was, a, was more of trusting who God is and who they are because of him and what mission he was calling them into. Though they were in the desert, and though they had escaped Egypt, this wasn't an easy life. This was a 40 years of traveling and wandering in the desert from place to place, waiting to get into the promised land that was promised to them, but not for that generation, but for the next one. There might be things that God puts on our hearts. It's a promise, but it's a promise to the next generation, but it is so important for this generation, the present, to prepare the way for the next generation, for those promises that to exist. Amen? Amen? Amen. <laughs> there we go. I'm talking to myself. Okay. Um, Exodus chapter 16. As we dive in uh, here the, the, in verse 1, then they set out. I'm reading from the um, NASB. I read from a lot of versions, but this Bible I have is NASB. So if, it's not going to be on the screen, but just follow along it. NIV, New King James. Same kind of deal, right? Um, they said, uh, they, uh, then they set out from Elam, and, at the, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. At the fifteenth uh, day of the second month, after their departure from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, uh, would we, would, uh, would that... Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when, uh, when we sat by the, the pots of meat, when we ate bread in the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. This is follow-up from chapter 15. of just this like, we're in this place. In chapter 15, it was like, we're thirsty. We're gonna die out here. Why did you lead us out of Egypt? Here in 16, we're hungry, we're gonna die out here. Why did you lead us out of Egypt? Truthfully, as I read these, these passages and God's people, I, I'm not living in their life. I haven't walked that journey they've walked. And there may be times that, I, well, there are times that I grumble in, in, in short stints where it's like, why, did, why, why are we here, God? Why, why did you lead us out into this place? Okay, so though I, we may read this and think, wow, they're just grumbling people. They don't really realize. Like they were uh, saved from, from hardship in Egypt, slavery, right? You have to work seven days building bricks. They were brick builders. And then they didn't have time to gather food for themselves or, or gather the grain and take care of their Seven days. It was a very hard life. And yet here, they're saying, well, we were going to die of hunger. It would have been better just for us to be, to exist in Egypt, and the reminder of, of God and his faithfulness through chapter four, uh, 15, 16, on, even on through the journey here in the wilderness of 40 years, is God reminding him, look, I have something better for you. I do. Don't forget. Don't forget what I've rescued you from. 
Uh, Verse four, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather uh, a day's portion every day that I may test whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Okay, so here we have a follow-up for the test. Let's be reminded of what a test is for God's people, that a test is is not a pass-fail. It's not a, I have a, I have a, a form of a test in front of you and you're gonna have an answer, uh, write it out, if, if, but, if, but there is a, there's a right and wrong answer. No, a test for God's people is not a pass-fail, but it's an opportunity to show God what's in our heart. It's an opportunity to learn a new lesson from God of what he's in, instructing us into. And so here in this passage in chapter 16, uh, this manna that appears in the desert, that God just provides uh, it, it, when, when it shouldn't exist, right? So read, read, we're not gonna read the rest of 16, but, but God provides bread in the midst, midst, the mist, the dew of the morning, right? Hangs over the ground, and when that clears up, there's this bread, right? This, this bread that exists on the ground, and, and so they're to go gather it for the day, just for the day. Just gather what you need for the day, bring it uh, into the camp, and that will, be, that will sustain you. And for 40 years, this is what God's people lived on, day in and day out, trusting God, trusting that God would provide, right? And so, uh, in, skipping over to verse eight, um, Moses says, this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat uh, in the evening and gives bread to fulfill in the morning, for the Lord hears the grumbles uh, which you've been grumbling against him. Right, and what, uh, and, and, and what are we? Your grumbling are not, against, uh, but are not against us, but of God, but of the Lord. This idea that they're, they're, they're calling out to Moses, why don't we have this bread? Why, why, why are these things not working out? We're just gonna die of hunger out here. And Moses says, you're not grumbling against me. You're grumbling against the Lord. And yet, in, in the midst of this grumbling, God provides, not only does he provide bread because God tells Moses, I'm gonna provide bread, but Moses takes it a step further, maybe takes a little, uh, a little extra and says, look, now you've wanted bread, but you also wanted meat. Now I'm gonna, God's gonna provide you bread in the morning and meat in the evening via quail, right? And, and, you're, and you're gonna be sustained by this. And the Lord doesn't stop Moses and be like, I didn't promise meat, I promised bread. Now, if you read this passage in chapter 16, God says, okay, I'll provide bread in the morning and I'll provide meat in the evening. He just follows up what Moses had offered God's people, though they're in the midst of their grumbling, right? The, the manna in the desert. And, and it, it, there's hyperlinks all through these passages in Exodus 15, 16, 17. I can't get to every one of them or we'd be here until next week. But one of the hyperlinks for me is that Right, the man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man does not live on bread alone, though that every day God's saying, I'm gonna give you what you need today. Will you trust me today that what I'm providing you out here in the desert, in the wilderness, is what you need for today, and that tomorrow I'm going to take care of you. Tomorrow I'll take care of you again. In fact, he even provides an opportunity for rest because again, they've come out of Egypt where they have been tasked to work seven days a week making bricks for the Egyptians for their buildings and construction projects. Seven days a week, no rest, no time to gather food for their family, no time to to relax and take a breath. And so God provides us on the sixth day, you're gonna gather double. Gather for the sixth day and you're gonna gather for the seventh day. 
because don't gather on the seventh day because there'll be nothing to gather. So gather on the sixth day a double portion and have it prepared, ready for, so that you can rest. Even in the midst of wandering in the desert, God is inviting his people to rest and to experience rest and rest in him. For us, as we look into 2024 and the things God has for us, do not miss that there's an invitation in all of it to rest. That if it's all about consuming and grabbing and attaining and moving forward in ways that we believe God calling us into, but we have forgotten rest, we have missed it. We have missed that as God is calling us forward to be his kingdom people and to be about his kingdom work, that if rest isn't a main aspect of our moving forward with God, we've missed it. He's inviting us to be with him to rest. God provided, I said, take a double portion out here. I'll have a double portion ready for you. Don't take any more than on, on the sixth day. Take enough for the sixth day and enough for Sabbath, the seventh day, so that on the seventh day, you can rest with me. This idea of rest is so foreign to our world that if we were to actually observe a day of rest, 24 hours, not gaining or attaining or grabbing onto the next thing, but to be still before God. The world would have to take notice. The world would have to take notice. We don't live in that culture and that society, and so to operate in such a way we, where we are going to, uh, we are gonna prioritize Sabbath, we are gonna prioritize rest, it would mean that what we're prioritizing is not the action of rest, but the action of trust. We're prioritizing trusting that God will make a way. Though I may not be taking on the next, next task, finishing the project, setting it aside, being still before God, it's trusting that when I rest, God will give me and provide for me what I need moving out from there. Remember when God created the, the heavens and the earth, day one through day six, and day six with humanity. I'm gonna rest with you on day seven. Be with me. It will look different in the world and it looks different for us if we can, if we can, if, if we can walk that out, if it can be an actual in our lives every, every week, uh, that there'll be a, a space and a time for rest and, and, and the action of trusting God. The word in here in chapter 16 of this, uh, that the Lord will provide what, what God's people needs is Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. The, what we looked at last week was that, that, um, that God is the, is the one who heals, Jehovah Rapha. And this is God will provide, Jehovah uh, Jireh. And, and, and in through the next part of this, in, in chapter uh, 17, they're grumbling, after grumbling about food and God providing, now they're grumbling about water. Again, chapter 17, verse one. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed from stages from the wilderness of sin according to the command of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Sound familiar? They're in the desert. Verse two, therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But, but, but the people thirsted there for water and they grumbled against Moses and said, why now have you brought us, out, uh, us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do, with, uh, do to this people? A little more and they will stone me. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, pass before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff in which you struck the Nile, and go. Verse six, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it, and the people may drink. Again, there, again, there are so many hyperlinks in this. If we were to go to all of them, we would, we would be here forever, um, which is good. I encourage you to dive in more to Exodus on your own in these stories. But one we're gonna pull out is this idea that, that they're grumbling over water, we're thirsty, we're gonna die. Again, it would have been better for us to remain in Egypt because we're out here, we're gonna die of thirst. We were gonna die of hunger, but you know, God's providing every day. Now we're gonna die of thirst. What are you gonna do, Moses, about this? You know, you can almost see and hear in Moses' questions to God, like, look, I, what am I gonna do with these people? They're grumbling uh, uh, at me, to me, about things that are needed, yes. But God, I, it's not like you don't know what they need. Right, it's, I'm gonna be stoned if I go before them without a good answer, right? Hey, uh, you know, like last time in chapter uh, 15, uh, 15 was like, okay, just seven miles down the road. We've got 12 springs, 70 palm trees. No, it's like if I don't come with, a, with something needed right now, I am, I, this is it. I'll be, I'm no longer gonna, they're no longer gonna listen to me. They're not gonna follow me, Lord. And so God, God tells them an interesting thing, right? Take the staff in which you struck in the dial as part of the plagues. And I want you to take that staff and I want you to take the, 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 the congregation of people, my people and the, and the elders, and I want you to go to the mountain and you're gonna strike it. And not just like take a stick and whack the rock. The strike is like to kill. And where does God say he's going to exist in this moment where Moses is going to strike the rock? He's going to be standing in front of the mountain. And essentially the invitation here to Moses is take that staff, take that stick that has led you, that has shepherded my people out of Egypt, and I want you to take it, I want you to strike to kill where I will be standing in front of the mountain. Church, if this hyperlink doesn't take us to Christ, I don't know where else it would take us, right? But all kinds of connections of God saying, I will, I will be in the place. Rather than you, Moses, I will step in that place. Strike to kill. And out of the rock will come water. Out of the rock will come the very thing that, that my people are grumbling about, that they desire, that they need. And yes, I know they need it. So, so, so they will have water to drink. So I want you to take that staff, that staff and I want you to strike the mountain to kill. Verse seven, they said, uh, it says, uh, the, they named the place Masa Meribah where the, uh, because of the quarreling of the sons of Israel and because they, uh, they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Remember church, every day they're getting provided bread <laughs> and quail, every day. And it still exists this question, is the Lord among us or not? Is he here with us? Because I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna pass away. I'm gonna die of thirst before I was gonna die of hunger. And yes, now we have bread and now we have quail. And though I'm thirsty after eating that. And so I need something to drink. 
to even ask the question, is the Lord among us? And so God says, Moses, instead of you going before them to be stoned, I stand in the place. Strike this mountain to kill, and out of the rock will come water. There's a, there's a really cool story that exists, whether or not it's true or not, but um, scribes and, and Pharisees and, and uh, all kinds of, um, in the Jewish tradition, uh, they've been writing about this, that out of that rock, because they never, they never quarreled again about water in the desert for another 40 years until, until Moses' sister passes away. So there's a really cool story that exists in there, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but the idea that you know, they, they grumbled about food, they grumbled about water, but for another 40 years, they don't grumble until, until she passes away, that actually that rock went with them wherever they went. And they didn't have to grumble again about water until she passes away because she was said to be uh, following in that cart um, uh, with, the, with the stone, with the rock, that they don't, they don't complain about water ever again until, until she passes away because she's like the attendant for that. Whether or not that story is true or not, but it's interesting that as they journey through the desert for 40 more years, they don't complain about water again. So twice they complain about water. This is the first one. And the next one is after Moses' sister passes away. So this is a, another test, another test to what, what is in our heart? What's in our heart? What is, what is God leading us into? What is he providing Right, this water that comes from the, walk, the, the rock uh, uh, leads me, hyperlinks me to, the, to Jesus saying, I am the living water as he's at the, at the well in Samaria. I'm the living water. Everyone who seeks after me will never thirst again. The response of the Samaritan woman in that, in that proclamation is, yes, give me that water. I don't want to thirst again. It reminds me of, of my generations before, my, my, the, the four, my forefathers who were wandering in the desert thirsty. Yes, I want that, Jesus. Give me this water that where I'll never thirst again. And it's in relationship with Jesus that he offers us that kind of living water, that he is this overflowing spring, that when we partake in it, that we also overflow to those around us. We become not only a light to the world, but a spring of living water flowing out to those who giving refreshment to those who so desperately need it. Those who were, are without refreshing, those who are without water, those who need the very basic things of life. God says, I'm inviting you into this, not so that you can hold it for yourself, so that it can overflow into those around you. And again, this question, this Moses striking uh, the rock and the mountain and, and God standing before him and out comes the very thing that they're grumbling about. The next story in, in, in Exodus 17 is this, the victory over uh, Amalek. And the Amalekites are known for, uh, in, in history and why even that, the curse at the end of chapter 17 is so, like he's gonna blot out from generation to generation uh, against the Amalekites is that the Amalekites were known for attacking the, the, the uh, a caravan or the, the, those in the back. The, the, and those in the back of a caravan or God's peoples are traveling through the wilderness are the weakest, right? They're the, the oldest, the weakest, the, they're struggling to make it through, right? And so even in, in Moses telling Joshua, I want you to send, uh, gather up uh, these, these, these warriors, these fighters, and go and fight against Amalek. And as they're, as they're fighting against Amalek, uh, Moses goes up on a, on a hillside 
and he's raising the staff, the same staff that struck the mountain, the same staff that struck the, um, that struck the Nile. As he raises the staff above his head, God's people, the Israelites, have victory over the Amalekites. But as Moses gets tired and the staff drops down, they start losing to the Amalekites. And so uh, Aaron and Hur go up and they sit him down on a stone and then they hold his arms up so that, so that the staff remains high. And in that time, any time that you've got a banner that raises up, it not only shows that, that the, where your eyes are to go, right? Not to the banner, but to where the banner is pointing to the sky. So that when, when Moses' arms are high and the staff is up, they find victory over Amalek. And eventually uh, uh, get complete victory over Amalek. But in, in verse uh, 14, then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek and under, uh, from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. The Hebrew there is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And he said, the Lord has sworn, um, uh, the, the, word, the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation, that God will fight this battle. And God will win this battle. In fact, it's already right, this, this promise that Amalek will not have victory. But this banner, Jehovah Nisi, will raise up the only banner that Centralia Community Church will hold, that will hold up is the banner of Christ. Any other banner is not a banner we will hold up because it is not a banner that will hold the promise of God. We will hold the banner of Christ in every way, in every situation. We will recognize that as we fight and we, and we go against the enemy in the areas of the darkness, Jehovah Nisi, God is our banner. And we will hold that banner up through Jesus Christ. Victory has been won. We will not place any other banner. We will not place any other ministry or other thing other than Jesus Christ. Jesus is our banner. That will be the view in which what, what, we, what we hold up. If there's anything we come in here holding a banner, it is to point upward to God. A banner in ancient time is coming to the city gate. You have a banner uh, that raises up at the city gate. This banner then points to the direction where you're to go, like city center or, or to the place where, where the king is, right? That, in ancient time, that banner points to the direction in which you should go. And for us, church, that banner will be Christ. That banner will be Christ that we hold up because that, that banner points right to the authority, so, uh, points to the goodness. All the things that God has in store for us, that will be the banner that we hold up over this church and all the things that we are part of. It will be the, the, the lens in which we look through that the Lord is our banner. That's where our strength comes from. In all that we do and, and all that we prepare uh, in this coming year, uh, we, we've got a, um, a visual to help us understand that, that each of us are on a, on, a different, on a different path in life. Each of us are in a different place with our relationship with God. And, and that's okay. In fact, it's good. We should be in different places. But knowing that the place that we find ourselves, what are ways that we can connect in? What's the path 
as we've got up here? What's the path in which God is inviting us into and, and to grow deeper with him and, and with each other as, a, as a, a faith community and in a world that doesn't know God yet? to be a light into those places of darkness. What is the path that he has us on? And your path is different than my path. The, the, the places he's calling me to engage and invest are different than yours, and it ought to be that way. In a, in a community of believers, it ought to be different. But to know where I exist and how I, can, how I can connect in with fellow believers among a community that I call my church family, and to grow together, and to discover what God is inviting me into. And so we've got a, a video here uh, to help, and then I'll, I'll, I've got some questions uh, after that. So let's take a look. Hi, C3 family. Sunday after Sunday, you've heard us ask two questions. What is God saying, and how will, how will you respond? As a church, that really is at the heart of who we are as we pursue God, engage with other believers, and partner with the world around us. But that said, all of us are in different places on our journey to answer these questions and embody these values. And sometimes, knowing how to go after them can be or feel complicated. So we've created a tool that we call the Discipleship Pathway to help us with that. The Discipleship Pathway is a frame to help you see yourself in the big picture of our church family and then to take deeper steps growing in the character and competency of Christ. Each piece of the pathway is an element within the life of our church designed to empower us to pursue God, to engage with others, and to partner with the community around us. And ultimately, to do all of this, not alone, but as a part of God's family here in Lewis County. Now, having said all this, I want to be clear that the discipleship pathway isn't exactly linear, and there's no one-size-fits-all approaches when it comes to following Jesus. The pathway is simply a way of finding yourself within this house that we call Centralia Community Church. And it's an invitation to move deeper into our family. We encourage you to move at your pace in a way that matches your journey and in the timing that fits your capacity. You can learn more about the Discipleship Pathway on our website at cccog.com pathway. Again, just a, a visual to help us to know that, um, again, our, our aim is discipleship. Growing in the character and competency of Christ. And that we're not doing that alone, but we're invited to do it together in a faith community, um, in, in our church family. Again, this pathway is not linear or prescriptive or predictable. Um, many, many of the models that would exist would just tell you, we'll go from, from class 101 to 201 to 301 to 401, and then just repeat the cycle. But that isn't a pathway that fits all of us. Some of us are already at, you know, ready to go to, to, to um, 201 to skip on to 203 or 204, right? None of us are all at, at what, class 101. Some of us are. Some of us... Uh, need like a, a next steps class of what are ways that I can connect in with my church family and, and how do I know what, what, what's important to this church? And, and I, I wanna know that. I wanna know so they can, is it important to me? Is this where God is inviting me to invest my life with this family, with this community? It isn't just a, a place to, to exist or to come to attend on a Sunday, but a place to exist ongoing that we get to encourage one another. Like I said, our, our, disciple, our, our aim is discipleship, to grow in the character and the competency of Christ. And so where, the question for you is, where are you on your spiritual journey? Where is God inviting you to connect and go deeper with him and deeper with fellow, fellow believers and to be about his work in the world, his kingdom work? 
Where is he inviting you into that? Again, I hope, this, I, I hope you check out the website because there's descriptions on all of those things that you saw me horribly uh, with my penmanship right on that, on that board. Um, but it helps us know, here, here's, what our, here's what Centurion Community Church desires to have available, and here's why. And then the question for you is, where are you at? And what is God inviting you into? Is it a, is it a refresh group, a community group? Is it coming and gathering here on Sunday and worshiping God as a church family? Is it being a part of the, of the prayer ministry? Is it serving with the First Impressions team? There are lots of different places to exist, to, to come and to be a part and to grow in ways God is inviting you into. No pressure. I don't wanna guilt anyone into doing anything that God, you don't hear God inviting you into. Not my place, and I don't, actually don't have the energy for that. But you know who does? You know, you know who is constantly pursuing you? Jesus Christ. And we're gonna trust as we, as we fly the banner of Jesus over this church that our eyes will remain on him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, lead us, I pray. Lead us in our hearts to respond in ways, God, you are inviting us to take steps forward. As we, as we look ahead to move forward, to know, God, that in this coming year, you do desire good things for us. You do invite us into your, your kingdom work. So reveal to us, God, ways, the, the next step that I can take today, the next step that I can take into this coming week and into this new year. Lord, lead us, I pray, in your name, amen.